Blog Talk Radio. of Winging It in Motown Radio. This is our trade deadline edition, or as JJ puts it, the Tartar for Now edition. And so joining me tonight is JJ. How are you doing, JJ? Oh, it's the greatest night ever, Pete. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm uh, I'm feeling relatively good, uh, as we'll talk about in just a minute. I'm feeling good about the, uh, the Tartar uh, trade, even though I'm going to miss them. But like I said, we'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, so I'm your host, Peter, for tonight. Uh, we got a, a stripped-down crew for you tonight. It's just me and JJ. And, uh, but we're going to be catching you up on all things Red Wings, focusing mainly on the trade deadline that just passed. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday night, so the trade deadline was yesterday, and we had, uh, we had a lot going on. We had um, basically, uh, I remember uh, my, my father would always say about uh, being a Marine in Vietnam that war is just long stretches of sheer boredom and then moments of sheer panic. And that kind of like was the deadline for the, uh, for Red Wings fans, because we were, you know, watching trade center on TSN and we were, uh, you know, frantically refreshing Twitter and just, there was no rumors out you know, there was almost no talk about the Red Wings, almost until the very end. And then we had a, a last minute deal. So the one deal that the Red Wings did make yesterday was they traded uh, Tomas Tatar. And so uh, in return for uh, Tatar from Vegas, we got one, uh, we got a first round pick in this year's draft. We got a second round pick in next year's draft. And then we got a third round pick in 2021. So that's, uh, there's a year in between there. So, Three, three good picks. Um, I think a lot of people, if Tatar was going to be traded, I don't think they were quite expecting us to get that much. That seemed to be the general feeling around the league was that uh, this was definitely considered a good, good return for him. So, JJ, now that it's a, a day later, we've had a little bit of time to think about it. How are you feeling about this trade? Uh, I'm still uh, really like, I'm bittersweet about losing Tatari because he was a lot of fun to watch and uh, and it's just I'm I'm gonna miss the guy. But in terms of the return, I, I mean, he couldn't have asked for 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 much better. Uh, I think that Vegas was a, a great team to give us a first for that. Um, yeah, I mean, they lead the Western Conference right now. Um, and I just, I don't know. I, I don't know how much they're going to fall off, but I don't think that they're, uh, necessarily a, a conference final contender. So I think that tra- that, that first rounder could end up in the, the mid twenties at least, which I would be super happy with. I think that, uh, next year that second rounder is going to be, uh, decently embedded in in the solid middle if not early second round uh no idea what 2021 third rounder is going to be but that's (laughs) just that's an extra added bonus is so cool on that um yeah 
no retained salary, no conditions added to it. It's just a, a really easy deal to to wrap my head around and uh, and a good one for us. So uh, I do hope that Tatar. I, like I wish him well in Vegas, but I don't wish Vegas well. Um, yeah, because I'm I'm obviously I'm rooting for draft position at this point, which is which is weird because you know we've got the the two the two moves where I, I get to actually root for Philadelphia to win games um, because of Mirazik's conditions. But now I get to root for like Tatar to do well, but Vegas to, to stumble and, and see if there's any possible way they could actually miss the playoffs and we get another lottery pick. Uh, that's not going to happen, but still the, right, the better yeah. that pick is, the the, more, the happier I am about it. Yeah. And I, I can't remember. I, I don't think, I don't think we've recorded a show. In fact, I'm almost positive we haven't recorded a show since since we traded Mrazek. So even though that wasn't a deadline deal, that happened February 19th. Um, so you know, one week before the deadline. So even though that wasn't a deadline deal, you know, it's still you know kind of a, a close enough that it's it's you know you can kind of count them count them together. And you know, we, we talked about the goalies a lot this year on the podcast. We've talked about um, you know in the beginning of the year, hoping that Mrazek could turn it around. There's a lot of positive signs. He never really got much traction when he got into the lineup. He didn't play too well. Howard was playing really well. Uh, Mrazek came on recently. He, he played very well recently. But the you know the thing with him has always been he's shown flashes of being a really good goalie, but he hasn't been consistent. And, you know, thinking back to the expansion draft, you know, the Red Wings left him unprotected. So he didn't really, you know, it didn't seem like they were going to, um, they, you know, they were going to qualify him. So it's kind of one of those cases where if you're not going to bring him back, then, you know, you want to get something for him if you can. And, and, you know, we got, I don't know, I think, I think we got a decent return there, especially if the conditions uh, work out in our favor, but either either way, I mean, you got you got a, a, an asset that you're you're not going to be bringing back, and so you get something out of it. And um, yeah, there's still a lot of regret yeah, in yeah. terms of like he was like the the you were the chosen one, um, you know the the goalie of the future, and I think a lot of Red Wings fans, myself included, like still have that kind of like etched into our collective memory of, of what Mrazek is. And so sure. basically getting anything less than a, than a really great routine return for a guy who was supposed to be a, a Vezinate candidate is, is tough to swallow. But in terms of looking at February, 2018, what Peter Mrazek was worth and what the Red Wings could realistically expect to get for him, we got exactly exactly the value mm. you'd expect and there's yeah there's a big possibility that that's going to end up being like you know bar trivia name the worst trades of all time for your favorite team oh <laughs> uh, then Mrazek went on to to be a multiple con Smythe winner uh but there's also a pretty <laughs> decent chance it's going to be like oh well that that was that was always the book on him and we're going to bounce back and forth between those two things uh, you know, probably for the for the rest of his NHL career. So I mean, he's three and zero so far in Philly, and so he only needs two more wins and for Philly to make the playoffs for that fourth to become a third this year. Um, sure, yeah. So uh, it is what it is. It's it's I'm disappointed that like how we got to the point where 
the the chosen one goalie of the future ended up only getting us there, but ultimately it it happened how it happened, and and I think that that Ken Holland made a good move with he he, he basically didn't chase chase good money after bad, and that's a big yeah. danger for GMs. Yeah, I think we've seen kind of a kind of this. I'm sorry, what? No, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I think we've kind of seen that narrative kind of play out a little bit in in this year and last year of Ken Holland making, you know, making the right move now, but with the caveat that decisions that he made prior to it probably limited his options. And, you know, that's something that we've seen a few times now. And I think, and I, I think that's definitely a fair, fair assessment because sometimes it's easy to just say, you know, because, you know, I mean, I, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm certainly going to be the first one to criticize many of these contracts that he's given out, but, you know, he's also made some good moves. And I think sometimes there's the danger of, you dislike some of the things he's done so much that it's hard to give him credit when he does. But then when you look at it the other way, it's like, well, yeah, he gets credit for making this deal, but if he hadn't made these mistakes before, then maybe we could have gotten a better deal or or something like that. So, you know, we've kind of seen that a lot lately with Holland mostly making better deals lately, but you know, the, the mistakes of the past are kind of adding up and coming back to haunt him. Yeah, one of our commenters actually went in on that on our uh, quick hits today. Um, mm-hmm. Look at that right now. Won't take me very long. Hold on, just a sec. Steve NYC uh, basically said uh, the irony is if Ken Holland had gotten a first, a second rounder for a first and a second for Tatar and a third for Green, uh, we'd probably all be grading him higher, even though they, it's the exact same return. And that's there is some truth to that. I think if if he had only gotten a first and a second for Tatar, and then a, as long as the third would have been like not a twenty twenty one third, but sure, um, yeah, you know, with the with the concept of of what happened with with Green, I think that that people would be grading him more fair. And honestly, my my trade my knee jerk deadline grade was was a C plus yesterday. Um, I think that I'm I'm still there, you know, C plus maybe B minus, just because the the not trading Mike Green thing is is huge for me. Like, and I understand, and it, that ties into exactly what you're just saying is that he's he's done well, but he's also kind of made his own bed. It's it's the Red Wings have Ken Holland specifically has gotten kind of unlucky with uh, the way a lot of things have worked out, but he's also kind of put himself into a position to, you know, not get better luck. Like, sure. You know, he, he had a, he, like he, we can go all the way back to, to Lidstrom. Like he had a plan to replace all those minutes on his blue line. And then, you know, for the sake of not being the GM of Minnesota or, you know, not having Zach Parise involved, uh, we missed out on on Ryan Suter, and I don't know how much big of a deal, how big of a difference Ryan Suter makes on the Red Wings if if he comes when that happens. But it was like it's easy to forget that there was a plan in place, and sometimes the the best laid plans of of mice and GM often go awry. Yeah. So 
since, since you brought up green, you know, that's the, that's the thing that it's the second, second main topic from, from yesterday's deadline deals. And when this, you know, after we, after we realized that green wasn't going to be traded, um, I wrote a, a, a reaction to that. I wrote like a, you know, my attempt at analysis of, of, of why that happened. And, you know, at, at the end, at the end of it, I basically said that I was disappointed, you know, cause going into the deadline day, I mean, that's pretty much what I expected to happen. Okay. We're going to trade green. My hope was that the return wasn't going to be too disappointing. And then what basically what it seems like from the reports we've been getting is that it seems like it, it, it could have been a con, uh, it could have been basically three factors, you know, really limited the market for green, and in, in, in no particular order, uh, we have the uh, the potential of the the no trade clause that he got in his contract, because the the, the report was that he was willing to waive it for Washington and Tampa Bay. And not necessarily that he wasn't willing to waive it for others, but that, that he basically said, you know, if you can make a trade with those two teams, I will, I will approve it. Um, and then the other ones were going to be on a case-by-case basis. So that could potentially have, you know, limited the market perhaps. The injury seemed to be, from all the reports we were getting, seemed to be a, a major factor in it. Uh, Craig Custins had an article where he went into detail on this about, teams seem to be scared off by this potential that he might not play. I mean, you know, it it seems like he could come back next game. It seems like he could miss even the rest of the year, almost basically the way that Ken Holland was phrasing it. And then the other, the other thing that happened is that going into the deadline, first uh, Ryan McDonough became seemingly available, which most people didn't think he was going to be available for a while. And then there started to be these, you know, very strong rumors about Eric Carlson. And, you know, if you're a, a team that's a contender and you're looking for a defenseman, you know, no knock against Mike Green, but, you know, McDonough is definitely a more complete defenseman. And plus he has, he has time left on his contract. And then obviously Carlson, you know, if you could, if you're a contender and you could get him for two playoff runs, that's, that's going to be huge. And so one of the narratives that kind of came out of this day was that though, especially Carlson, you know, these, these contenders were all trying to get in on him. Like, uh, you know, we found out that Vegas was in on Carlson until almost the last minute and then they changed it to Tar. So looking at the information we have, and this is always tough because the information we get, we're getting from the team and how much is spin and how much, you know, how much is true, how much is spin. So looking at the information we have, like, what do you think is the most likely reason that there didn't seem to be a market for Mike Green? Well, I think that I, I am putting more weight on the heating up of the Eric Carlson rumors. Like, the McDonough thing was was known in, in plenty of time, but the Eric Carlson thing came in at, like, right at the, the wrong time, and that it, it overheated the, the market, and it, it did. It, it pushed Green down. Second, I would say it's the the um, the injury, um, and then I would I would put third on the no trade clause. I, and I know that the the hindsight there being, oh well, you know, we, we shouldn't have signed him to a, a no trade clause. Well, the the argument there is that you weren't going to sign him without the no trade clause, 
And I know yeah. the counter argument to that argument is, well, <laughs> yeah, maybe we shouldn't, we should shouldn't yeah. have signed him. And I, I don't have an argument against that. I, I agree, mm-hmm. but yeah, it is, it is what it is. I mean, it's the the concept that the injury like really scared off teams doesn't excuse me from Holland's point of view in a world where you can throw conditions on trades that say, Hey, give us a first rounder. And if the guy's neck falls off, (laughs) then you don't owe us a first rounder. You owe us a fifth rounder instead. Something where we still get value, but yeah, it's, it's the heating up of, of Carlson that it really took away from from that potential value, and it's just the, the kind of the, that's the the perfect balance between the the luck that that we seem to have gotten and the luck that we seem to have made for ourselves. So, and I I have no idea what the hell why Washington basically stood pat. I've like if they were that scared of Green's injury, that they mm. wouldn't throw conditions on a on a pick, then screw them. Yeah, I mean the the other potential factor, and I mean, based you know compared to some of the other things, it almost seems like well that's probably not it. But I mean it's it's a logical possible factor is that the teams that we thought might want Mike green, maybe they just didn't want him. You know, it's like if, um, and, and, and of course these are two diff- completely different players, but you know, let's say you're, you're going to compete and I'm just picking a random player, you know, Toronto comes to you and you're like, Oh, Hey, you, you guys need some great. We got, we got Matt Martin. We'll give him to you. You're like, well, no, I don't, I don't really want him. Well, we'll give him to you for a fourth. No, no, I, I don't want him. It like, and, and at that point, even if it's just like, a seventh round pick. If you don't want the player, you don't want the player. And so it could be that the, you know, it could be that some of the teams that we thought might be interested just weren't. I mean, if you think about it, Vegas, they came back to us for Tatar. Now, granted, maybe it was last minute and it might've been too hard to make like a Tatar and green deal work, but you know, that's, that's what they were interested in. They were interested in Tatar over green. So, and, and like I said, I'm not saying this is definitely the case. I'm just speculating, but that's another potential reason could just be, they didn't want, you know, they, they didn't feel like he was the the piece they needed to add to their team to compete. Like, you know, that he was going to make their team that much better. I mean, obviously we'll probably never know, but yeah. It's a possibility. Well, I still feel like Mike Green is kind of underappreciated for what he brings around the league. Like I, I do see, Mm-hmm. The concept of teams viewing him as kind of a a boutique, still offensive defenseman who isn't going to do a whole lot for you at five on five. He's going to quarterback your power play, and he needs to be a little sheltered. But I I think that he's better than than that reputation that has haunted him since uh, he was in Washington. So I mean yeah. that that is what it is. It's. Um, I I don't necessarily believe it's a, it's you know we just don't want him. I do like the conspiracy theory that he basically nixed a, a deal to Toronto because he doesn't want to go back and play for Babcock again. Um, just because <laughs> that's that's funny to me. Like yeah, I don't absolutely. believe it, um, 
but really all we've heard, it, you know, we heard from Lule Morello that says, I'm not going to comment on that, but we didn't want Mike Green, which does kind of sound like Lule Morello uh, protecting his ego. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just going to believe it because it's, it's more fun, too. Whatever. Screw yeah, you, absolutely. Toronto, even though if it ends up hurting the Red Wings. Yeah, I mean, it's it's what we always say. More conspiracy theories, more fun. Uh, yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> So, yeah, so I mean, those are the you know those are the two main issues we had. Uh, we had Mike Green not be traded. We had uh, Tatar get traded for a return that was bigger than we thought. For a little while, there were some rumors around Glenn Denning. To be honest, like at first, I didn't believe that they were actually real. But I was listening to um, the Thirty One Thoughts podcast, the I think the most recent one, the uh, earlier today, and. Elliot Friedman said that he he really did think that there was something there. Now, granted, that doesn't mean he's always right, but you know he is pretty connected. There seemed to be, you know, it definitely seemed to be some a, a lot of smoke around that. But you know that that never materialized. So I mean, I wasn't too surprised there. But um, yeah, that the rumor there you know, with uh, Glendening is true. Like hmm. Toronto was only offering a fifth rounder. I will I yeah. will say with. With nothing else, and I, I don't care if you want to call me a homer for that. I'm glad that they didn't trade Glenn Denning for a fifth. I would I would have been mad about that. Uh, I think that Glenn Denning is worth more than a fifth round pick, and I, I I don't know how much more, but I I think that would have been just making a trade to make a trade, and I don't think a fifth rounder would actually produce better long term results for the Red Wings than a, having Luke Glenn Denning around. Because uh, I do think he, there is something to be said about the the good in the room kind of thing, and the the good example for a guy who who isn't as skilled as the other guys, but you're not going to outwork him, and he knows some tricks that he can teach those kids. Yeah, I mean the the biggest thing with Glenn Denning is his you know his his cap hit is not that much, but the biggest thing is is you know he's he signed for another three years, so. If you're going to make the argument that you know it would be good to trade him, I think that would be the argument there. I'm I'm not going to go crazy making that argument. I you know I I don't care that much either way. I guess, but you know at the end of the day, I mean the other potential rumors were, you know, in addition to Tatar, people were talking about Nyquist possibly. People were talking about maybe a, a defenseman going like a depth defenseman like a Ouellette or a Jensen, but. You know, even in those cases, we probably wouldn't gotten too much of a return there. But now that you know, now that the dust has settled, we have to look forward to the future. To where do the wings go from here? Uh, we got a couple pieces of information. I think today, well, yeah, definitely today, was that Blashill has said that Tyler Bertuzzi is going to be the biggest time on ice benefit uh, beneficiary of Tatar leaving. He has said also, or I think it was Holland said this instead, that at some point, and this was kind of nebulous, uh, that uh, Sveshnikov will, you know, the plan is to get Sveshnikov a look. How long that look is, we we don't know. We don't know if it's going to be we're going to bring him up and play him a lot or we'll play him the last two games of the season. So I I, I guess, first of all, let me phrase it like this. So, So what do you think about the chance of Bertuzzi getting, you know, the promoted, I guess. Um, and, you know, what do you want to see? What do you, I guess, what do you want to see? And what do you think we're going to see? 
I think we are going to see Bertuzzi promoted and, and play with Larkin and Athanasiu for a good while. Um, and I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of Svechnikov before uh, mid-March, if not April, just because they'll find a reason, and then it'll be the, well, you know, the the Griffins have climbed their way back into a playoff spot, and they're, you know, we don't want to mess with, with their team chemistry because they got a good thing going, and, you know, how how much is Svechnikov really going to learn from this, this look? So I'm not holding out much hope that he's going to get a lot of useful playing time, but I do like the idea of Tyler Bertuzzi getting it. Um just because I, I really, I still like his game. Like I don't think he's going to be able to, um, you know, to create a whole lot more finish than he than he's got. I think he's always going to be like, it's going to be a little bit of a little bit frustrating watching him. Like just always wonder how much more he could give if he had just like a little bit more finishing ability. But yeah. um, I think that he is going to surprise some people in terms of of putting the puck in the net. Um, Especially when when fed by those those two other kids, and he's got a he's got the good like work ethic, and this will be a good challenge for him playing against the tougher competition with with bigger minutes without. And I I don't know I guess I'm I'm putting a little bit more faith in Blashill in the maybe don't be so quick to uh, to pull away ice time from this kid for for mistakes that that. I think he's going to need to learn from. Um, yeah. You know, cause there's always uh, Luke Witkowski waiting in the wings to, to take over. If Bertuzzi has like one bad game or, or looks at Blash funny or maybe, uh, maybe <laughs> slashes a cow cutter block again and, and gets himself in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I remember back to, um, I don't even know, a month ago, two months ago, time, time kind of, Seems time, time's kind of relative. Where uh, Bertuzzi, Athanasiu, and Larkin were playing together for for a, at least a few games in a row, and it was a really fun line. It was it was most nights. It seemed like the vast majority of things that were happening on the ice were happening when that line was out there. And I I really like the way that you phrased it with um, what you want to see from Blasio with this because. You know, just in general, that's what I want to see is, you know, bring up some of these kids or, you know, not bring up now. He's already up. But, you know, give them give them ice time, give them chances and they're going to make mistakes, you know, so so help them learn from it. But I mean, and I, I don't want to just say exactly what you said, you know, don't be so quick to take ice time away. Give them, you know, if, if they're doing the same thing over and over and over and over again and you've been working with them, working with them and they still do it. Okay, yeah, at that point that makes sense. But they're going to make mistakes. It's okay if they do. Not all the time, but you know, you don't want to see them do the same thing over and over again, but that's not yeah, I'm I'm hoping for pretty much the same thing. I want to see I want to see Bertuzzi get the get the chance to to play those extra minutes, see how he does. I'd like to see I'd like to see a couple of the younger defensemen. I'd like to see uh Hickets and Hronik up at some point. I think the problem is, well, one of the problems is going to be that since Mike Green is still on the team, you know, that would have obviously taken a defenseman off the team. And now, now he's still here. He's 
could be injured for a while. We don't know yet, but you know, I think I think having him come back is is going to be, you know, it's going to be harder to get some of these younger guys in the lineup uh, unless we make, you know, unless we like I don't know, wave somebody. But I don't see that happening. Um, oh, I wanted to make sure that we talked about this a little bit, um, and it's it's still definitely early in the process. But after after um, Mike Green wasn't traded there were people talking about a potential for re-signing him uh, for, for next year. So this is one of those things where depending on how other things play out, it wouldn't be the worst idea in the world for me, especially if we could do it on like a one-year contract for a relatively low cap hit so that hopefully we could take another stab at trading him at the deadline again next year, maybe with a, with a smaller cap hit, people be more likely to, to take a flyer on him, even if they, um, you know, if they, if they didn't want to add him this year. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like, like the, the problem with that again, is it, it's, it could potentially keep this log jam that we have for defensemen. If we have, you know, Hicketts, Roenick, maybe other people ready to come up next year, then having him back takes away a roster spot unless unless you're making room in another way. So so what do you what do you think about this idea? And I know it's still you know, it's all speculation right now. Yeah, like if Mike Green loves it in Detroit so much to to want to re sign then I think that the only way that it makes sense for, for me as a fan is if it's the the Thomas Vanek, you know, you get one year, you get a, an affordable cap hit, you don't get a no trade clause. Uh, that's the way this shit works now, um, because we are a team that is going to need to have the flexibility to flip you for assets, and you need to be prepared to, you know, want to go play for a contender at after the deadline after, you know, getting to spend so much of the time that you love in Detroit playing well and, and helping along. Um, the, the log jam thing, yeah, I mean, because uh, I guess if we accept that that Mike Green would not be in the way of Joe Hicketts because Joe Hicketts' ceiling is basically a third-pairing defender, and that's not that big a deal. We can move... Uh, let out for that or or something um, we still have the concept of you know where's Chalowski where's Ronick where's Sari RV there's this next crop of defensemen who are going to need to start getting tested at the NHL level and tested in the kind of minutes that that Mike Green would be filling in for so like it's, it's not exact. It's not like a, a terrible logjam, but it does add to the logjam. Now, if you if you figure in that, we've been waiting. Like we've been hearing for for years that you know, well, Cronwall is is basically close to done, and he's not going to be able to play every every game. And then he does play every game for us right now. Maybe that's not such a big deal if if we're kind of expecting that kind of room. But I don't see the effective room being made anywhere else and where I'm at in my, in my opinion on what needs to happen with the Red Wings blue line, 
is we really do need to start giving some more trials by fire. So it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to re-sign Green, but I don't see why Mike Green would take the one-year Thomas Vanek deal at this point in his career. Uh, and I do not see a comfortable route to give him longer than that. So right. I guess trust the, I think, the yeah. next GM. Yeah, I definitely think it would be uh, a mistake to sign him for more than one year. And, you know, like I was saying before, I mean, I, I would be perfectly comfortable not signing him. I think that, you know, for, for various reasons, I mean, obviously it depends. You know, I mean, the worst thing that could happen, I think, is if they sign him for more than one year and at a a, a cap hit that's somewhere close to what he has. Because, you know, with Mrazic coming off the books, with Mike Green coming off the books, and now with Tatar coming off the books, we, you know, we've actually opened up a lot more space than we had before to, to sign our young players next year. And, you know, you don't want green to get in the way of that. Um, and, and of course, it, right now, like we said, it's all, this is all speculation. This is all theoretical, but um, speaking of things that are not theoretical, we, you know, Detroit was not the only team, trading yesterday. So we're going to take a little look around the league and we're going to look at some, some winners and losers. So I, I guess let's start off by looking at some, maybe, maybe looking at some teams in terms of winners and losers. And then if there are other trades that we want to talk about that, that don't get kind of lumped into there, then, then we can do that. So I guess JJ, who's your biggest winner? Cause there's, Seems to be a consensus for the East and the West, but maybe not. So what's your biggest winner in the whole league yesterday? Well, first off, I want to say good segue there. I'm I'm proud of that. <laughs> uh, I have to go with, with Tampa because I think that Tampa was already a very strong contender. They haven't played super well of late, but they've played very well. And now they've added a good defenseman, um, at a price that makes sense for that team to pay. Um, you know, they got JT Miller, too. He's a, he's a depth guy, whatever. I don't care about that. But what they lost in the Mesnikov, uh you know, is, is kind of offset by by Miller. Not Obviously not that much, but uh, definitely offset by the gain in, in McDonough. So, yeah, Tampa is, is my biggest winner of, of the trade deadline in terms of they were already a really good team that I, that made themselves better in a place that, that makes a lot of sense to have made themselves better. Um, you know, out West, I, I don't know. I think that, uh, Vegas getting Tatar makes a lot of sense for them. Um, Winnipeg getting Stasny, uh, it's another strong center. He's going to play basically their third-line center, um, mm. feeding Patrick Lyonnais, so that's that's a good deal for them. But, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll stick with Tampa. What do you think? It's tough because I, I think I'd probably also go with Tampa just for the reasons you said. You know, going in, there was some questions about if they wanted to, to make a, a, a notable improvement – you know, they were definitely one of the teams that was rumored on Carlson, and I think I think we were all having nightmares about having Carlson and Hedman 
uh, on on the Tampa Bay Lightning for for not just this the rest of this year, but then for all of next year. Oh yeah. And yeah, I mean the the, the question there was, you know, Eiserman has said that said going in he didn't want to give up a roster player, and they have so many prospects that there was a, a, a you know there's a pretty good chance that they could do that. They ended up giving up Nemestikov, who. I, I like a lot as a player, but, you know, I think he's a, he's a middle six guy. You know, he's, I think even his ceiling, I don't think he'd be like a top line player. I think that, you know, the best you could hold for would be second line, but probably, probably he'd settle in as like a very good third liner, I think. And, you know, they, they didn't want to give up points, uh, Braden point, and they didn't, they didn't want to give up Sergachev and they didn't. So for what they got, you know, they did not give up, nearly as much as I would have thought they would have to, which is, it's just kind of scary. So I think Tampa Bay is, is, is pretty clearly the winner out of the, out of the East. I also think um, if, if we're talking about the East, I think uh, the New York Rangers, they, you know, I think Tampa Bay came out ahead in that deal, but they also, um, you know, they added a ton of assets uh, over the last few days and, you know, for a team that's rebuilding, you know, uh, they traded uh, Rick Nash to Boston. And then they got, as a return, they got the 2018 first-round pick. They got Ryan Spooner, Matt Bolesky, Ryan Lindgren. And they also got, which is going to be the key here, the, the 2019 seventh-round pick. Because you never know. You never know. Um, so I, I, I think the Rangers definitely added a lot. <laughs> exactly. The Rangers definitely added a lot. I think the Penguins, unfortunately – for pretty much everybody else in the league who doesn't want to see them win again. Adding Derek Broussard, I think, is going to be, be pretty helpful for them, uh, especially because, you know, it didn't really seem like they were going to really be able to to make a make a move, you know, and make a move that really helped them out. So that was that's kind of scary for the rest of the league. And I, I, at West, I think definitely your, your Winnipeg's um, Nashville getting Ryan Hartman, I think, is going to be, be a pretty big deal for them. Um, you know, Winnipeg getting Sassney. And then, you know, like you said, I, I, I do think that uh, I do think Tatar is going to do very well in Vegas. Um, although, like we said before, yeah, I, I don't I want to sleep on. To ha- um? I, yeah, I don't want to sleep on San Jose getting Evander Kane. I just don't like Evander Kane. So, Fuck yeah, that. that's a really tough one. That's definitely a tough one. I mean, I was trying to think of like how I would feel if we if we traded for him because he's a very talented player on the ice, but. On the on the ice and off the ice are two different things. So that's a, that's a yeah, tough situation the, uh, out there. The managing yeah. editor of Fear the Finn wrote a, a post mm-hmm. about covering Evander Kane that I, I'd recommend anybody go go take a look at because it's it's tough to, to have to deal with that kind of stuff. And so I yeah just go go read it, please. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, back to what you were saying. It's like I mm-hmm. I'm so. I, jealous slash like angry with the Rangers because they had bought for the last few years and they like, you know, fancied themselves as a contender. And then the wheels fell off this year. And instead of getting the, Oh, you know, we're just uh, trying to get back on track and, and whatnot. Like, no, they fully flat out committed. Like we're selling <laughs> We're This yeah. didn't work. We've got to rebuild, and they got they like they jumped in that rebuild quickly, and they got 
really good. I mean, they had really good assets that that perhaps the Red Wings like the Red Wings didn't have a Rick Nash to trade, right? But they didn't have. They definitely didn't have Ryan McDonough to trade. Um, <laughs> but they ended up, you know, collecting those assets after making that decision and not BSing their fans about it. Like they, I, I, I don't know how how happy. Rangers fans are compared to Red Wings fans in terms of, or how you know much they feel like they've been lied to or told the truth to. But from my side of the fence, you know, from from how green my grass is, it's it does look slightly greener over there in terms of at least I'm not having smoke blowing up my ass. Yeah. Um. I was th- I was taking a look at the uh, at the trade center to see if there was anything that we missed in terms of of big trades and and it wasn't huge but I do think that um, the Maple Leafs getting Thomas Volkanek from the Canadians that could end up being a a pretty important deal if Toronto ends up doing you know going out a run in the playoffs you know I think adding adding Volkanek is going to be a good you know you know a good good depth addition for them. Um, not that I want them to win, but you know. Uh, <laughs> and then yeah, so we have our uh, again we have our good friend Thomas Manick going from the Canucks to the Blue Jackets, and the Canucks basically got nothing back. So good job, Vancouver. You're you're doing well. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, the Blue Jackets made like some some depth some depth moves that like eh, I guess it makes them better, but not like not noticeably better. Um, yeah. The uh, the the Devils went out and got Grabner and Maroon, which mm. makes them better. I don't know yeah. how how much better, but like they they paid a, a decently low price. Like those are good value moves that could like they bought a little bit of extra chance at the at the playoffs, like. Mostly, I'm confused. Like, what the hell was Washington doing? Like, basically standing pat. Like, everybody else was holding a. It was an arms race in the East, and Washington didn't really add anything. Uh, Philadelphia probably should have added a little bit more after after grabbing Mrazek. Um, the Islanders seem to be punting their chance at the bubble right now. Like. I get it. They said think, they were going to buy, and they held on to that. Uh, man, I I could, I could just tell you, um, because of some of my friends on Twitter, that uh, Islanders fans are not very happy right now. Which, which actually, I mean, you could you could say that for the last ten years, twenty years, but I mean, they are they are very upset that that I mean, I mean, if you go back a couple like. It seems pretty clear that if the Islanders had been pretty aggressive, maybe two or three weeks ago, that they could probably have easily righted the ship and and been, you know, pretty competitive to to make the playoffs. I mean, now could have easily been a first round exit, but I mean, on their team, it seems pretty clear, you know, what the issues are, and they have done pretty much absolutely zero to address them, which is which is strange, you know, when considering you want Tavares to come back. We'll see. If I'm a betting man, yeah. I, I say Tavares doesn't come back. So who's the uh, who's the strength out of the West right now? That after the the trade deadline, 
Who's uh, who's your number one contender to to show up in the Cup Finals right now? It, it's crazy. I think at the at the beginning of the year, like when when Jay and I were doing predictions for for sure. I think my Western Conference final was Nashville and Edmonton, and obviously I think Edmonton is is not not going to make the playoffs. But I think I think Nashville is definitely way up there. I think I think my other team in the West would be would be Winnipeg. Their their offenses, you know, they 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 have a really high powered offense. You know, I mean, now they've added Sassny, so they have you know even more depth than they did. Uh, I mean, Winnipeg, Nashville. I I I I, I just can't buy Vegas. I I can't. No matter what, I mean, they could be they could be in Game Seven of the the Stanley Cup Finals, and I still won't believe in them. I yeah. I, I don't know why, but <laughs> um, I mean, I think those for me those are the two big teams. I think you know Winnipeg has a little trouble on defense right now with with uh, injuries. I think if they had a fully healthy blue line with all the players they have, I think they'd maybe even overtake Nashville because they're getting really good goaltending too. But yeah, I, I think I'm going to stick with Nashville. I think that's my pick to come out of the West right now. What do you got? Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that you, that you nailed it down. And in terms of you know, we just kind of ran through the the weirdly quiet uh, teams in the East. I think if we're looking at the weirdly quiet teams in the West, um, Dallas didn't really make a move to address the need for a, a scoring winger. Yeah. And considering all the wingers that moved around, like you gotta wonder what they were thinking. Because right now, like they're sitting at at seventy four points, they're they're basically in the mix for uh, for the central because they're three points by Minnesota right now. But their goal differential is actually better than than Minnesota's. Although I actually just watched Minnesota pace the Blues, I think eight to three. So who knows by the time this actually. Uh, by the time you listen to this, the goal differential may be gone. Um, <laughs> but it's it's just weird to me that that Dallas uh, wouldn't be wouldn't be buying right now because it still feels like their window is is close to is open or opening. So I don't know. Uh, in terms of other teams, though, it like it. I, I don't think there's another weirdly quiet team. Um, everybody else kind of like made sense, but yeah, I think Nashville and Winnipeg are basically the class of of the West right now, and that's that's going to be weird for me considering Winnipeg. And yeah, Edmonton know, is four points behind Detroit in the standings. That that amazes me, yeah. like how we are ahead of Edmonton and Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. I mean. It, I'm not happy about it, but like in terms of Schadenfreude, I'm right there. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in completely unrelated news, uh, Taylor Hall scored his 22nd straight, or he had his 22nd straight game with a point tonight. Um, I mean, man, could you imagine him playing with McDavid? Wow, that'd be that'd be pretty. Yeah, terrible. if only. Uh, I think I, I think the, the the last thing I wanted to talk about just for a second. And it, it sucks because I because I hate them. But like if we're talking about like maybe, um, I, I know this is different than what you're talking about. But you know if we're talking about you know the 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 favorites out in the West and then maybe like a like a sleeper team, I could definitely see Anaheim pulling some upsets out out there. You know if they can. I mean right now they would play San Jose in the first round. Obviously like the the 
you know, the wild card teams are all pretty close. You know, you have Anaheim is third in the Pacific with 74 points. And then you have, let's see, Dallas, Los Angeles are 74, 73. And then you, then you still have three teams within striking distance, Calgary, St. Louis, and, and Colorado are still only a, a few points out. But if, you know, if, if the playoffs were to start today, they'd play, they play San Jose. I think they could, I think they could win that series. And then if, if somehow if, if Vegas gets through, or I mean, you know, they're going to be the favorites with their, their record, but if, you know, Vegas gets through, I can see Anaheim beating them and, and, and making a run to the, to the Western conference finals. I don't know. I mean, I, I hope it doesn't happen because I, I hate them, but <laughs> it would be, uh, I wouldn't be too surprised to see that um, or to see them losing the first round. It's a weird year. It's a really weird year. This no, year. I, I agree with you on both cases. Cause mm-hmm. I do think that if, if, the Pacific plays out like that. Um, whichever team wins like that, that two, three matchup is probably going to the conference finals just because of what we've said. Like a Vegas could be winning game seven of the Stanley cup final. I'd be like, ah, I just don't, I don't, believe, I don't buy this. <laughs> I don't believe this team. Uh, it's kind of weird. Cause like, I, I think we I think we might have even talked about this before on a previous show. Is I I would definitely I I, I would be kind of happy if Vegas won just because it would be it would be a cool story. You know, if Detroit's not going to be even in the playoffs, yeah, it would be a fun story. And uh, and then we get yeah, to, there's get definitely to, worse teams. Yeah, I was trying to think if there's anybody on Vegas that I that I just can't stand. I'm sure there might Jay be. Steel. I can't think of. of Okay, yeah. Yeah. Although at the same time like I I I wonder if I went through all the other teams if there was you know like if you ranked teams by the the player you hate the most on it. Hmm. I don't know. Actually, that would be that would be kind of Um funny. Honestly, in terms of the Pacific, I mean, now that that San Jose has Evander Kane. That's he's probably number one in in terms of the guy that I I root for the least out there. Um, James Neal is a, a tough call between because like I've hated Corey Perry for so and Ryan Getzlaff for so long for like yeah. being petulant and, and shitbaggy <laughs> and, and whatnot, but like. <laughs> James Neal is like especially like he's really dirty. Like yeah. he's especially dirty, <laughs> and I think I may dislike him more than than either of the than any of the the shitheads on on Anaheim. Maybe you yeah. go uh, quantity or quality because Anaheim has Kessler yeah. too. Um, yeah. Dallas has Jamie Ben. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. Yeah. Uh, James Neal, he it's he tough. makes up there for me. I'm trying, to remember, I'm trying to remember my memory is a little fuzzy. He, Neil was, um, he was the one who in the series with Philly, didn't he like concuss two of their players in the same game? Am I thinking of, was that, yeah. he, was that Neil or was that, because I, I thought it was either him I or Hornquist. So, like, Hornquist is just dirty all my the time. I, I can't was, stand him. I don't even remember uh, who the victim was, but I remember him specifically sticking a knee out to make sure that he caught the face of a guy who was already on the ice. Yeah, as he skated by him, he need him in the head, and that was, and he didn't get suspended for for forty games for it. So, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Obviously. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, so you know, the big the big NHL story has been the trade deadline. If we're if we're taking a step back, taking a little a little trip back in time, since the last time we recorded, we have had some Olympic hockey going on. On the we'll start with the one that that was that was not as much fun, which is on the men's side. We had the U.S. did not do very well. Um, for for Red Wings fans, we did get to see Pavel Datsuk join the. Uh, oh my God, I can't think. What do they call that? The Golden with the. Oh my God, I can't think of what the name of it is. The Triple Gold Club. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So so we got to see him join that. They beat a they beat Germany in the finals, which was cool. I remember when Jay and I were talking about the preview in the tournament. You know, one of the things I said I was really hoping for was for a team that wasn't really expected to do well to to make a run because that's always fun in a tournament like that. And so Germany was your team like that. They knocked out Canada, which was just fantastic. Oh, Twitter was so much fun that day. And so I'll be honest, I didn't really watch too much of the men's side. Did did you did you watch it? Like what were your thoughts on it? I watched a handful of games, but I did find myself like it was so weird because I was appreciative of the the new variance in in how things went along. Like I really liked the Germany story. I was uh, I was honestly rooting for them in the the final in the gold medal game. Um yeah. I have complicated feelings about Pavel Datsuk winning and I understand if, if Red Wings fans are happy for him uh, then great I personally am not I would I did not want Russia to win um, but yeah the, the games themselves I found were you know they were just lacking in in quality that uh, for the most part I, it's and it, it's partially the Olympic ice and it's partially that like the players just weren't as good but I'm also a believer that, like, when the when the the skill level is is roughly equal, which I, I think it was, then you know you, the fact that they're not the very best players in the world isn't that isn't as big a deal. Uh, but still, I I did find myself bored during games that I was that I was watching. Um, I don't know. It's it's it did it deliver on the in, in, intended promise of. At least, because the last games we we knew what Canada was doing and that they were by far and away the best team and like they basically they made the game boring because they could and it was the responsible thing to do. So, uh, in terms of the the quality of the hockey, yeah, it wasn't as good. But yeah, you know, looking at uh, at the surprises, I I had more fun watching. Hmm. So yeah, I maybe think, they should just go without NHLers next time. I mean, I, I think for me, the reason, the main reason I didn't watch as much was I think a lot more to do with the times that the games were on. I think if they were on, you know, either in the afternoon, evening, during the week, or, you know, an easier time to watch during the day on the weekends. I do think I would have watched more, but I don't know. I didn't really have a ton of interest going in. I think um, on the last episode, for sure, we, we did a wrap-up of this, 
and we talked about, uh, or, or I brought up that I've I've heard pitched as you know maybe do it like a like a U23 tournament or or something like that you know some type of age limit, um, which I don't know if that's the best solution. I, I definitely think it's an interesting idea. So I, I don't know. It, it's tough. I don't hate that idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I flat out hate the idea of making it a U23 because I don't think that like you should be able to say, I'm sorry, you are 24 years old. You are not capable of competing for an Olympic gold medal. I think that's unfair. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't know what I want. I mean, I, I, I do like, I do like when we get to see the tournaments with the, with the best on best. I do like that. I do kind of like the idea of, of having people who aren't in the NHL get their, their moment to shine. So I don't know. I guess, I, I guess the, the only way I can put it is I don't really have strong feelings either way, I guess. Uh, I guess that's what this Olympics has taught me. But um, the other thing that this Olympics has taught me is that the U.S. women's hockey team is awesome, even though I already knew that. But this has just reaffirmed that. So we had one of the – one of the most exciting hockey games in a long time, not just simply for the, the, you know, the, the actual excitement during the game, but the, the context surrounding it, Canada had won four straight Olympic gold medals and, you know, watching the game, there was definitely, definitely a moment where it looked like, Oh boy, here we go again. And, you know, the, the U S coming back and then combined with the, the, the 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 shootout goal, which was just pure fun, uh, just kind of like you know at, at the All Star game you had Hillary Knight come out there and just crush the shooting competition, and here we got to see um, Lamaru do a, a move that we've seen before, but just do it to perfection, and you know it's such an exciting way to win, um, and then and then to see the reaction, you know, there's a lot of a lot of you know, really kind of genuine outpouring of support for the team, which is really nice to see. So, um, yeah, that's what I got for that. I don't those know. Those two have, have any US, the, yeah. Hmm? Yeah, those two U.S.-Canada games were the best hockey in the entire Olympics. They were super fun. They, I would put those up against the, the, the fun of, of any NHL game. Um, Honestly, watching Team USA or Team Canada play, even the 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 teams that there's still a there's still a big gap. Like the I think Finland and and the and Russia are the next two teams in terms of skill level, and they're not particularly close. That's like if if you want to consider U.S. and Canada as basically the the NHL of women's hockey, Finland and Russia are are essentially the ECHL, uh, and then everybody else is like even below that below that like but just watching there's a level where you can appreciate just you can appreciate the gap there too and i know mm. that like every time it gets brought up like oh yeah there's there's no checking in the women's game i'm like really intrigued by the concept of like i would just like to see a year of the nhl play the no checking rules like they have in a women's game, just to see what it would do because the the 
fluidity of the way that they're able to to do that. Obviously, there is they do play physically, uh, especially mm-hmm. USA Canada because they there are probably more calls that could be called checking that that aren't just because of the way they are. But the way that they are forced to basically more cleverly body people off rather than just go like chasing late hits and, and oh, let's just go get rough in the corner because that's just never been a, a fun part of hockey for me anyway. Like, I don't know if it would make the, the men's game better. I'm just like curious to see what it would do to the men's game because watching the the skill of the puck handling uh, on display when, when U.S. Canada play against each other uh, it just it, it intrigues me. So and yeah, those those games were incredible. I I love it. I, I love the fact that it, uh, it it ended in a shootout just because I needed to go to sleep at one fifteen in the morning <laughs> Central Time when that game ended. Um, plus we won. So mm. go USA! I'm super proud of the of the ladies and uh, and uh, yeah, I I said that that was going to be the the part of the tournament I was really looking forward to watching, and they did not disappoint. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, let, let, let's hope that there's uh, there, there's uh, kind of like a slingshot effect coming out of it, like we've seen in 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 the U.S. with the the U.S. women's national soccer team. You know, coming out winning winning World Cups, winning championships, and we've seen you know a, a big growth in the last generation of you know women's soccer and, and girls playing soccer. So, let's hope that we can see. You know, you can see a similar situation here, and you know we've already we've already seen we've already seen some of it, but you know let's hope that it just you know keeps growing. So, the Olympics are over for another four years, so uh, we'll we'll have to wait like three years and four like three years and about three hundred and fifty days till we find out if the NHL is going next time. But we're gonna we're gonna wrap up in just a minute. Um, but before we get to our look ahead for the next little uh, schedule, since we since we do this every week or every every time, we're gonna do a positivity corner. We don't have a mailbag tonight. Um, it probably would have just been who's gonna replace Ken Holland when's Ken Holland leaving. But and and if you're curious about that, you can listen to pretty much any past episode for at least the last year uh, if you, if you want to know what we think about that. But um, so so JJ, what do you got for what do you got for a positivity corner? Uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, to the the Tyler Bertuzzi, uh, Larkin, Athanasiu line, just uh, just running wild over people for for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I'm. You know, like I said before, I really I. I, I really enjoyed watching them play before, and I think it'll be it'll be fun to see that again, especially if they get the chance to to gel, you know, to, to play play together for a while. Um, I've been trying to trying to figure out what this is going to be. I guess. Hmm. It might be kind of a weird one, but I'm going to say so far I've been positive that I'm I'm happy that Peter Morazic for right now is doing well in Philly because that helps our team. And like you said before, I definitely hope that Tom, uh, that Tatar does well in Vegas. I hope he gets a hat trick every game and then they lose every game. That's what I'm hoping for out there. 
So, you know, good for him. But uh, boo Vegas. Yeah, I'll throw, I'll throw on to that. Yeah, with, uh, this is <laughs> a, a new experience for me. Uh, again, like there was kind of the experience last year because the Red Wings did sell last year too. But having extra things, like I, I know other fan bases have gotten to experiences. I, I have not as a Red Wings fan. Um, it's new and exciting getting something, you know, because you, you used to be, oh, like we'll, we'll root for, for Eric Cole. Um, that the Red Wings, you know, bought, or we'll root for David Leguan to do well for the Red Wings. Uh, now it's it's kind of like branching out and experiencing new other ways to root for the Red Wings, knowing that the Red Wings will not be something that I'm going to get to root for after the first week in April. So I'm, I'm kind of enjoying the experience um, from a from a detached yet also kind of sad that that I have to. Soak, soak up this experience like this, but I, I'm, I'm having fun right now. Yeah, and I mean honestly, that's all that's all you can hope for. So, uh, before we wrap this up, let's take a look ahead. So we have uh, tomorrow. We are playing St. Louis. Uh, so we got St. Louis, uh, St. Louis away. And then the the next the the rest of the games for the next two weeks we have at Winnipeg that's on Friday, and then next week we have at Minnesota on Sunday at Boston on Tuesday. We're back home to play the Vegas Golden Knights on Thursday, and then on Friday we have Columbus away. We we, we have a lot of away games in uh, in March. I guess we're making up because we're making up for uh, for all those home games we had. All right. So so what do you think? We got yeah. six games there. What do you think in here? Uh, the Blues got pasted by the Wild last night, and so they're playing the second of back-to-back, and, and now they're really angry. Um, I'm not holding out a lot of hope, um, especially I was at the, the Blues-Red Wings game in Detroit this se- this season uh, where the Red Wings lost six to one, and still just have painful memories of of that game. So uh, I'm going to chalk that one up as an L. Uh, I'm going to say that uh, that Winnipeg probably uh, polishes us off on Friday. I'm going to say that we do win against Minnesota on Sunday. Uh, we're going to get our hearts broken against in Boston on Tuesday. Uh, we're going to welcome Vegas. That is going to be a great game with a lot of people there to say goodbye to Tatar. I am, I am going to probably be wearing my, uh, Tomas Tatar Red Wings jersey while (laughs) I watch that game on my couch and, uh, maybe, maybe ugly crying just a little bit. Um, (laughs) and I'm, it's going to be like, you just, are you? I, I don't know if I want to necessarily say how I think it's going to go, rather than just say, like I am rooting for like a a storybook ending to how that game goes. But I don't know. I I I don't want to say. I don't want to put it out in the universe to say what exactly that means. So I'll just I'll let you, the reader or the listener, <laughs> uh, decide what I mean by that. 
Mm-hmm. And then what? I got one more uh, at Columbus. Columbus. You were yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think you? Uh, I'm going to go with one point against Boston. I'm going to go with two points against Vegas because, as as we all know, we, we have their number. For, for a long time, I think, weren't we like the only team to beat Vegas at home or some, something crazy like that? Uh, we are then, undefeated against Vegas all the time, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And uh, I, I, I think we're going to get a point against Columbus. So it's tough. I mean, this is this is a, this is a this is a pretty tough stretch. You know, like you said before, St. Louis is um, they should be they, that should be a winnable game. But I think the combination of playing playing them on a, a back-to-back, which we always do poorly against for some reason. And like you said, St. Louis just getting trounced. Uh, and I, and I know that, you know, although at the, at the same time, you have to think about it like this, that I think their players are pretty upset that they, that they traded Stastny. If you read some of their, you know, re- read some of their quotes from before, because they, they're like one point out of a wild card and, uh, and you trade, you know, pretty decently important part of their team. So could be that they're just in free fall, but um, I, I think it's going to be really important to come out really, really hard because I think if we, if we can get up early, it might be a case where we can just crush them and, and roll. But uh, I, I'm not holding that hope, unfortunately, based on past experience. And uh, let's see the Winnipeg game. I, I don't, I don't know for sure, but I'm going to guess I'm doing that recap because that seems like it's going to be a terrible game to recap. <laughs> Who knows? Man, I'm gonna, I'll jump in and switch it. No, but um, yes, I'm gonna go with four points. Four out of a. You are four doing points. that. A, I knew you it. are doing that. Jets recap, by the way. Yeah. Oh my god. So, yeah, that'll be fine. Good luck there. It'll be okay. I, I'm sure I can kind of coast on dumb jokes about uh, Patrick Line's weird-looking beard. He is a funny-looking man. I think you nailed down on the importance of uh, coming out really, really hard. That mm-hmm. is always a good thing to do. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So uh, thanks a lot for listening. We uh, we had a good time bringing this show to you. Uh, stay tuned. You know, the next next week or two, we'll have another episode for you. And uh, so for JJ, I'm Peter. And thanks a lot for listening. And let's go Red Wings. Wing it, wing it, wing it, wing it.